0: Thank you, sir. Reading this morning about the Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for Peter the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. How cool that must have been for them. Afraid, hiding. And then Jesus comes. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didherus, which also means twin, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, he said to them, like you and I probably would have as well, I live, I'm sure. Unless I see the nail marks in his hand, and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hand? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him simply, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me, and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for all people. Thank you.
1: God Stop the team, whatever, you know, there's so much instability, so much that we don't understand that we don't know. For me, growing up... It was a, not even my mom died giving birth to me, then my dad remarried, then my stepmom died in a car accident when I was nine. Then my dad got married again, then my dad died of cancer when I was twelve. And so I'm in junior high, my mom's dead, my stepmom's dead, my dad's dead. The only closest relatives I had were my, my aunt, uncle, George, and Sandra. And then when I was in high school, they got in a fight, and my uncle George shot and killed my aunt, and then stuck the gun to his own head. Kill themselves. So I'm 16 years old, and this is life to me, going, Man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried, we get a little scared. And this is what Christians do, you know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky. And things get a little unstable. And so we go, Okay, that was nuts. I don't I don't want I don't want to live like that. Let me uh, let me go on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what, I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here and uh, I'm just going to hold on and uh, this is what you look like. You just go, uh, this is what people do. You know, I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to, um, you know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids. Make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm not going to let him outside because the sun has a bad rate. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on. And you just live your life in the safety. of If I don't do anything crazy for God, I just I just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give my like 2% um, and uh, maybe serve health and nursery because i feel guilty. And then you do this your whole life and then you, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what? I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it and then just go up to heaven, and so you want to die like this, just in your sleep, boom, right in the middle of the dream, good dream, the dream, you're going to heaven, and you don't even feel it, and then suddenly you wake up, you stand before the judge, and you go, and okay. Not the life that God's
0: called us to. That's where the majority will head, But I don't want to go where the majority goes. Hello, friends. Yeah. Here's a way of putting things that drive the point home. So, this morning, my main point, the point that I'm going to make and probably make in several different ways, is that we tend to hedge our bets as Christians. And we're called to be all in. It's funny to watch him on the balance beam to go down and to grasp it, but how many of us have something happen in our life and, and it hurts? And so we want stability, we want safety, so we do go down and we grab hold a little bit tighter of, of, of what's in front of us, of what we can see. See, We're like commons. You show me, you show me what I can see and I'll grab hold of that. And so as life goes on, we, we, we love God, we want to serve God, but we don't see God tangibly. And the next thing you know, we're all wrapped up. We're safe. We're safe. We can't move. We can't do what God's calling us to do. And we're stuck. All in is so hard that we hedge our back. See, to be all in means that we might have to stand up on that balanced being. We might have to actually take a risk and do a, do a forward somersault. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't be crazy, honey With God's help. But that lack of certainty leads us to question... Because it is not certain, we have faith and we trust in our Lord, and He is a faithful God. But He is not standing right here. He's not showing me the. I, ironically, a couple of weeks ago, you know, during that fast that I told you about, part of that fast for me was God show yourself to me in a tangible way. Pretty demanding. Isn't it? But that's what I was doing. That's where I was mentally. That's where I was spiritually. I wanted God to show Himself to me. I wanted to put my finger in the nail hole. I wanted to put my hand in His side. I was arrogant. That's not what God was about. G. Campbell Morgan had enjoyed his success as a preacher by the time he was 19. And then he was attacked by doubts about the Bible now This is in the 1800s. This is a while back. But some of the primary writers of his day were starting to, to get into his head. This would have been folks like Charles Darwin. I think most of us have probably heard about Charles Darwin, James, John, John Tyndall, Thomas Huxley, Herbert Spencer, great secular writers and, 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 and secular focused folks. And as he read their books and listened to their debates, he became more and more confused, he became more and more perplexed about, about his own place. So what he did he do with all that? He canceled his preaching engagement, he put all the books that he had uncovered, all their books, all his own books, locked the door went to the bookstore and bought a new bible he said this to himself i am no longer sure that this is what my father claims it to be the word of god but of this i am sure if it be the word of god and if i come to it with an unprejudiced and open mind an unprejudiced and open mind it will bring assurance to my soul of itself we come to the Word with an unprejudiced and open mind. It will bring assurance of itself. So what happened? I love the way that Morgan put this. He said, that Bible found me. That Bible found me. <clears throat> he didn't find God in the Bible. That Bible found him. This is the living Word of God. and It spoke to him. It gave him motivation in 1883. He was, began preaching and teaching ministry to himself to study and preaching of God's word see when we question when, when, when we get caught up in the thing and the ideas of the world and the questioning parts of the world that leads to hedging it leads to going halfway instead of all in and don't mishear me I want you to question I want you to ask ask the questions I've been in churches where where the answer to my questions was the Bible says that I believe that that settles it and that's not good enough for and I hope that's not good enough for you. God gave you a brain. He gave me a brain to spend time in study of His Word. Isn't it ironic that the Bible says one thing to me and seems to say something else to a whole lot of other people? So if the Bible says it, I believe that that settles it, then, then we would end up with a bunch of different denominations. nations. Uh-oh. We are one church even still. But that's how it happens. An unprejudiced and open mind is essential to learning. Study, read, explore. Explore other faiths, other religions. Explore other belief sets. Explore atheism. I don't care. Because I believe absolutely that if you're willing to approach the Word of God in an unprejudiced way with an open mind, all that other stuff will coalesce into a faith in Jesus Christ because this is the truth. This is the truth. If you're going to go in pursuit of the truth, guess where you're going to find it? Where it is. This is where it lives. And here's the thing: God has a plan. You can rely on that. Jeremiah tells us about that. So it's a plan. it's a hope-filled plan. It's a plan for good things in your life, good things in my life. It's not for a balance being life. It's not to make sure that you guess you know, the other kids always have to wear them. I, you know, I'm for safety. But come on now. How far are we going to take it? Life is risk, and risk is life. And if you get wrapped up on that on the balance and you just end up stuck, can't move. God has a plan. Henry Blackley had this to say. You never find God asking people to dream up what they want to do for Him. Don't we ask that question a lot? What is it that you want me to do for you? You never find God asking persons to dream up what they want to do for Him. Without doubt, the most important factor in each biblical situation was not what the individual wanted to do for God. The most important factor was what God was about to do. Think about every story. Moses. Was he going to God and going, Lord, what what is it that I can do? No, he was tending sheep and God said, I need you because I want to do this. What about Noah? Was he building an ark? No. had no plans on that. But God was about to do something. God was about to move. And so he tapped Noah on the shoulder and said, I need you to do this. When he calls your name, And he is. He's calling you somewhere. He's calling you somewhere. Do something. Because he's about to move. Our God is not a stationary God. He's a God of power and life and living and movement. The Christian church was at its strongest when we were a movement. Before we became a place. An address. We're a movement People in community, inside and outside of the walls of the building, the place, which is not the church. I wish we would it something else, because we're the church, and you can always trust it. This is the thing about all that questioning, about all that that seeking out. And I did all that, by the way. I checked into Eastern religions. I visited with Jehovah's Witness, Mormon. Uh just Buddhism, I, I was looking for a spiritual solution. You know where I landed?
1: Truth.
0: Truth wins out. Explore to your heart's content, but do it with an unprejudiced and open mind, and you will come back to truth. You cannot help but find God when you look for him. And he will find you as well. You can trust that. You can have faith in that. And by the way, it's worth the trip. It's worth the exploration. It's worth all of it. It's worth the ups. It's worth the downs. There was a boy just about here in his teens, and he was sitting contentedly in, a, in the coach of a train that was headed up out west. And was going through the drive belt. If you've been out west, we often think about the mountains and the, and the rivers and the lakes. There's whole sections that are <laughs> desert. And his train was going through the desert. It was miserably hot as it was going through. But he was always smiling. Others complained about the heat and desert. It was terrible. Some found fault with the equipment on the railroad. Why couldn't it be more comfortable? Uh, the passengers were out of sorts. They didn't like being in, being uncomfortable. Traveling was tiresome and uninteresting. They were bored. They, they just wanted to get somewhere. The boy, however, was content in the midst. And there was a lady who was close to him who saw that this contentment wasn't just a surface thing, that there was something going on different for him, and it was a deep contentment. He seemed to be enjoying this dried-out country, enjoying that what the others had thought was monotonous and boring. And she was curious. So she looked at the boy and she said, Sonny, aren't you tired of this heat? Yes, ma'am, I'm a little tired, but I don't mind it much. And she was about to do a follow-up question but he finished his sentence. He said, because my daddy is going to meet me when we get to Winnipeg. My daddy is going to meet me when we get to Winnipeg. And he had contentment for his soul, because he knew at the end of it all, at the end of the trip, at the end of the journey, his daddy was defeated. He went. God is indeed faithful. Our Father will always be waiting at the end of the journey. He's waiting with Him at the end of this short journey. He's waiting for all of us at the end of our life. He's He's waiting for us. He's with us. He is faithful. And this road of ours is not going to be easy. It's going to be rough at times. Sometimes it's going to be almost unbearable. It's going to be like the life vehicle that it probably was on that train. just hot and miserable and terrible. That's the way life is sometimes. It's also going to be times of joy and, and, and goodness. But we tend to focus more on the struggles and the heartaches and the disappointments and all those other things that are a natural part of life. going through, whatever I go through, I remember just that simple thing, my daddy is going to meet me when he gets one pay. My father has, is in the midst of preparing a place for me, and when that time comes, I'm ready to go. And in the meantime, there's going to be this, this, this journey is going to have those, those struggles, and it's okay, because you know what? My dad's going to meet me, and it's not going to be one thing. It has no death. I like to think it's like a, like in the story of the prodigal son, where God is outside in the road. He's standing, and the father is, is 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 portraying God. He stands outside, waiting for us to come home, waiting outside the gate. Go, oh, come on, Mike, don't give up. Come on, come on, come to me. Quit trying to do all that on your own. Ask your congregation to pray for you. Don't do the silliness that you don't that you've got to handle everything on your own. Ask for help when you need it. And he's outside the gate looking down the road maybe through you. Stop struggling with that on your own because I'm here to be with you, to help you, to walk with you through it. He's calling me. Don't hedge your path with the things of the world. That's, I know that's our tendency. I know how easy that is because it's tangible to us and we end up hedging our bets to the point where we we're stuck. Don't hedge your bet on the things of this world. Go all in for the things of eternity. Those are the things of God. Go all in. And yeah, it's scary. Yeah, you might have to give up a job. Yeah, you might have to do something different. Yeah, you may have a Bad relationship you gotta let go Yeah, you may have to do some things in order to fulfill that all inness that God is asking of you, because it's not easy. But the rewards of that here and there are tangible and amazing. God's calling you. name. I don't know what he's saying. But when he calls your name, know that he is about to move. Because that's how bad that is. I understand what